And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you about today's episode sponsor, folks. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. We all know that. But Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Now, friends... Today, we're going to have a, a really, really great conversation. I don't think it's any any surprise that uh, I love talking about issues of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, all of those beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. And today, we have with us a fabulous thought leader, Antonella Pisani, CEO and founder of iFull Media. Now, Antonella, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. And I, I can't wait to crack into this with you. This is going to be great. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm going let, to let's just get into it. I'm going to go ahead and ask I'm going to ask you the question. Here comes the question and it is tell us about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. So, um stepping back, I was uh, raised in San Diego. Um neither of my parents are from the US, so grew up with a Nicaraguan mom, Brazilian dad. Uh my dad was an entrepreneur and a jewelry store. And um, sometime around high school, kind of started falling in love with marketing, um, had kind of the best internship you could possibly have, was working at Snowboarding Magazine as a high school senior, and that kind of solidified my interest in marketing. Um, found myself building websites back in 96. Uh, it was actually my work-study job, and so um, was really fortunate to kind of get into the web really early on, worked through... Um, a lot of corporate roles, so everything from web analytics to digital marketing, e-commerce general management, spent a lot of time at companies like Fossil, JCPenney, Guitar Center, and then about seven years ago, just decided I was ready for something different. I, I took a year off to travel and was working on my own website, and, um, and then a friend introduced me to a company here in Dallas that he was on the advisory board for, and you know that actually became my first consulting client. I had never set out to build an agency or anything. Um, I just thought I was going to consult by myself and live kind of a peaceful life and travel a ton. And, you know, here we are about six years later um, with a nice sized team supporting a lot of uh, mid-market businesses. That is incredible. Well, so, all right, I have, I have a real dumb, easy question first before we like dig into stuff, but you were an intern at a, at a snowboarding magazine. Are you a snowboarder? You know what? I live in Dallas now, so not so much, but I did a lot of, uh, of snowboarding and surfing, skateboarding growing up uh, in San Diego. Okay. Very cool. I was just curious. Like that, that is super cool. But all right, here's, here's the real question. All right. So, so I want to ask you, you mentioned that you're the child of immigrants and I, I'd be really interested to hear how that kind of informed your, your lens uh, through which you view the world. You know, you're, 
I imagine that's a pretty important part of your experience. And I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, it is. I mean, it was interesting. <clears throat> Both of them came into the U.S. Um, I think my mom was around 16, 17 and had come to live with someone that we always called our grandmother, but was technically, I think, a great aunt. And then my dad moved to the States when he was in his late 20s. And so a lot of the, you know, even though we lived in the States, a lot of the culture and just customs and things like that really came from Latin America. And so it was very interesting being being a kid growing up. And, you know, there was things that uh, my parents like didn't really know about. Like I, I joke about, you know, never having Easter baskets because it just wasn't something that was done there. And Christmas yeah. was all about, you know, Christmas Eve. But, you know, some of those countries, I would say Nicaragua in particular, it's, it's a country that is um, full of just really happy, positive people despite them not having a lot and so you know i think i always saw a lot of generosity exhibited and things like that that really formed who i am as a person um you know my dad my dad's father was also a jeweler and so i think they had always had their own business i i grew up in the jewelry store um you know learned a really strong work ethic from them and you know definitely shaped me um Grew up speaking Spanish to my mom, Portuguese to my dad, and gave me a love of languages as well. Like my brother and I didn't learn English until we went to school and then just continued learning different languages through high school and college. And that really inspired a love of travel and just different countries for me. And so I don't know that that would have been my same experience um, growing up yeah. if I had grown up run a family that was that was always in the States. Yeah. How many languages do you speak? So three fluently, and then I dabble in another two. So okay. some French, some Italian. Uh, so, re- all right, real talk. What's it like living in the States where we are not known for our uh, language prowess? <laughs> Is that tough? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it's. Um, I think for me, what it's been more about is just the ability to travel and immerse myself with other people like cultures and get away from a lot of the touristy areas. And so it's just, it's been awesome knowing a lot of languages. I'm very grateful that my parents uh, did that with us and, you know, yeah. taught us everything that they knew. Well, that is super cool. So, so talk to us about your, your journey to iFull Media. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very curious about this. And I, I know that there are a lot of things that you do well, you're growing very quickly, but I'd love to hear how you came, how you came to be. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think, as I mentioned, like I had taken a year off and a lot of it was to travel. So, you know, when you're working full time for somebody else, you may be able to sneak away for two weeks or a week and a half, but I've always loved different cultures and, and travel. And so I was in a fortunate position that I could sneak away for a year and I took a series of two week trips. Like I felt like I would be gone for two weeks, come home for two weeks, change clothing, change camera gear, and then head back out. And during that time, I was building a website of my own. And, you know, it actually, I think, came from a conversation with my brother. He was like, hey, why don't you consult a little bit while you're building your website? And that will, you know, just allow you to be, have a little bit more flexibility. And so there were some interesting life things that happened um, that made me decide not to go back to a traditional full-time job. And during that period, uh, a friend of mine who's CEO of an agency here, he sits on the advisory board of a local company and he... Um, that company had lost their e-commerce manager and he had sent me the job spec. And I, I kind of laughed when I read the job spec because it was really sounded more like a vice president role, even though they were looking for a manager. And so 
that guy just said, Hey, can, you know, will you help him out? Can you help him with some advice? And so I remember still sitting in a coffee house and working on a insane proposal, probably a bigger proposal than I've ever drafted for anyone else. Cause I really didn't know what I was doing. I'd always been client side and that just led to one relationship. And, and through the course of that relationship early on, you know, they would say, well, you know, you're telling us we're not doing very well in this marketing channel. Can you take it on for us? Can you just take over? And so what happened was it went from me to me and a network of different consultants. Um, I would just reach out to either former colleagues or ask them if they knew anyone. And it was a lot of folks that were maybe moonlighting um, to start. And so that's really how it started. And, you know, after a few years, there was just enough consistent business that I started hiring full-time employees to join the team. Um, and that's how, how we've gotten to where we are, but it's all been exclusively word of mouth growth. We've never even really talked about ourselves. I would, I would say up until like a couple of months ago, we've been really flying under the radar. Yeah. Well, so, so what, what is different about Eiffel Media? And I have an answer in my head. Like, I think I know what you're going to say, but, but wow me, surprise me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think from, from a company standpoint, I would say it's an insanely values-led, purpose-driven business. Um, we support a lot of charities throughout the work that we do, and it, and it really kind of unifies the team and gives them yeah. a greater purpose of something to go work hard for, right? So we even start our all-hands meetings, start with, hey, here's who's new, birthdays, bam, right into some of the charities that we supported. And that's a big difference um, in terms yeah. of just the the quality of people that we've been able to attract from, from a more tactical perspective, you know, I've been on the client side and I'd had exposure to a lot of agencies that, that just frankly, weren't all that awesome. And so I wanted to surround myself with people of a certain caliber. And so we kind of decided only to hire senior level talent. So the average years of digital experience on our team is 13. Oh, wow. We, we decided not to go hire junior marketers. Um, we wanted people who could hit the ground running and could work really closely with the clients and be a lot more strategic um, because of the experience that they had brought to the table. And then we also decided to get rid of that account manager function. So it's a really common function in most ad agencies. Um, right. and those, those people tend to be kind of the middleman. And yes, they can add value, but I think it can also kind of detract from the client experience and detract yeah. from employee experience as well, right? The clients want direct contact with the people working on their business. The employees want to make sure that their strategies are communicated clearly. Yeah. And so part of hiring senior folks is they're just going to be faster at what they do. They're going to be a little bit more polished, have a little bit more um, executive presence about them. Yeah. And so that's really how we just built the business from day one. Um, and so I think that's been a big differentiator for us just in terms of the type of relationship that we're able to build with clients. Yeah. So a lot of, you know, uh, account managers and more junior staff tend to work on sometimes 20, 30 accounts and yeah. responsibility. And they're not really able to get to know the client's business. And we're really trying to keep people at anywhere between like two and five clients so that they can, really build a true relationship. That's, re- that's really, really incredible. And, and, and I, you know, when you were talking about that account manager position, like I, I've, so way back in the day, I actually had my very own uh, marketing agency. So you and I share that. Uh, and, and, and yeah, like I, I always, 
I do feel that sometimes a, an account manager can bring value, but I always think of that game telephone. Do you remember playing that when you were a kid? You know, like you, you pass along a message to someone and then along the way it gets muddled, right? And so I love having that immediate access point to the the creative that is actually, or the creatives that are actually working with with these companies because that you've created a, a direct dialogue. That is That is super cool. Now, one of the things I'm going to back us up just a little bit, because you, you've mentioned this a few times, and we're talking about building your team, but you've mentioned immersing yourself in culture. That's something that you've done your entire life. So I want to talk a little bit more about the culture at Eiffel, and I want to talk to us about how you have intentionally built that culture. Like you mentioned that you know you donate to a lot of charities, and that that makes your employees feel good, and it brings them closer together. What are some other things that you have done to build a really strong value-based culture? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely the thing that I'm most proud of. Like, I'm certainly proud of our growth, but, you know, nothing eclipses the culture that we've built. It's a culture of kindness and generosity, um, a lot of transparency. I think it, you know, pretty interesting. I had someone come speak to our team um, maybe almost like a year ago. She was the head of HR for Pro Flowers, where I spent almost seven years of my career. And she defined culture just as how we treat each other. And so, you know, it's not about the ping pong table, the going out for beers and things like that. We're fully remote. We have people in 16 different states. And so the the culture really is how people interact, right? And the respect that they have for their colleagues, the respect they have for clients, um, just how comfortable everyone is being vulnerable in terms of like what they know, what they don't know, Um you know, a lot of praise is flowing kind of among colleagues and it's very organic, like it's not forced. And so it has been really deliberate, right? It's something that we, we interview for, um, in addition to kind of technical questions, we use a tool called strengths finder to figure out like what makes people tick. Uh, are you familiar with that? I know strengths finder. What what are your, your top three? Oh God, you're putting me on the spot here. So, so, so mine, mine are uh, strategic input and um, positivity, actually. <laughs> Great. So here, here are my five. Strategic activator, responsibility, arranger, and command. Wow. Uh, influencing. So it's let's go, let's go now. Here's what we're, here's what's going on. So, uh, so you move, you move pretty quickly. What's that? <laughs> You move pretty quickly. <laughs> I, I do. Um, I do, but I'm thoughtful and work through others now, right? A lot oh, of sure, what I sure. do is work through the team. But yeah, I mean, I think back to the culture, some of the things that we have we do is, you know, obviously screen for it. But then, you know, the first thing that new hires see is here's our mission. Here's our vision. Here's our values. Here's what we expect from, from people. And, you know, I think the fact that everyone's really living them, um, that just sets expectations. Like people who don't live the values just don't stick around very long. Yeah. Um, their choice or our choice. And so, you know, we've done some things like invest in certain technology. Slack's been a big game changer just in terms of communication and just bringing in some fun. I mean, we have uh, a channel called Fun Stuffs. We have a channel called Petful um, that someone created and, you know, allowing the team to have a place that they can have a little bit of fun, but also collaborate. 
Yeah. Um, one of the tools that's been, I would say, a cultural game changer for us, it's a performance management tool called 15.5. Okay. And we, we run our check-ins through there, our one-on-ones, but they have a feature called High Fives, which integrates with Slack. And it's basically just a very easy way to give each other props. Because what we noticed was in all hands meetings before, like we would always ask the team like, hey, who did something great? Let us call it out in, in the all hands meeting. And it was like pulling teeth trying to get kudos, even though we knew everyone was very like proud of what the others were doing. And then after we put this technology in, it's, it's amazing how many compliments flow among colleagues and, you know, it can be someone up to their boss. It can be someone up to a peer, a direct report. And I think that's actually been really important to the culture. Um, yeah. just that, that gratitude that exists among everyone. Um, so oh my gosh. we've done some cool <laughs> things like that. I love that so much. And I, I'm going to give you a little insight into my organization, but we have what we call our, our, our foundational pillars. Uh, and two of those, I think, are kind of relevant to what you're talking about. They're me- mentorship and championship. And those are two different things. Uh, as far as we're concerned, and it is, you know, most people who have an understanding of those terms, you know, mentorship is the thing that happens behind closed doors. It's when, you know, someone takes your hand and helps you along. Championship is that thing that happens out in public. It's when you share someone else's story or when you commend them for a well, a job well done publicly. And those are both really, really vital to to building up trust between between teams, right? So, so I love that, um, that you've been, again, so intentional about creating that culture. Now, one of the things that, that I have learned uh, as a founder, and one of the things that I think many of our founders listening at home will know is that often when you're trying to build culture, you have to model the behavior that you want to see. You have to be a cultural leader and a steward, provide the roadmap to what that, that success looks like for your team, and then it trickles down right? That's, that's one of the, the biggest, most impactful ways you can build culture. So I'm going to ask you as a founder, you know, how do you display the values that you hold and that, that Eiffel Media holds? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just back to that, how we interact with each other. I think that yeah. people see how I interact with, with our other leaders. Um, if they're on calls where we've been with clients, um, the things that we talk about, you know, we, we do a lot with learning those all hands meetings. Um, we do something called a, uh, Slack has a, an app called donut, which randomly pairs people together. And so mm-hmm. for like random 15 minute meetings and I participate in those, but then we added something called bonus donuts, which are, you know, I'm meeting with everybody in the company. It's something we started a few months ago where, you know, I meet with every single person, get to know them and they get to know what I'm actually like. It's, you know, I can be playful with the team as well, but you do have to lead by example um, sure. and set what's important. I mean, I, I do think those all hands meetings are really critical to that. Just we're super transparent. That's a big value for us. Um, you know, we're very forthcoming with financials and things like that. And we incorporate some sort of element of like leadership training into almost all of those meetings as well. And so just helping people develop. Um, but yeah, it's just everyday interactions, right? It can't be something that's done once a month. It has to be every single interaction. 
Yeah. Not that we don't make mistakes, right? We're all humans. Well, sure. Yeah. And I mean, that's something else that we talk about a lot around innovator, like the fact that, that consistency is really what you have to, like, you, you can say all the nice, pretty things. This is what we value. This is what we hold. But, you know, you, you also have to equate those words with action. And it sounds like you're you're absolutely doing that. Um, you know, we have another company that we talk about a lot, and they they do the exact same thing right now. They're actually doing some uh, some charitable giving as a company. But I want to talk to you a little bit about full scale. Uh, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, and I know that it is the bane of some founders' existence. But when you visit fullscale.io. You can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the full-scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So, Antonella, I have a question for you because we've kind of talked around this topic a little bit, but, but you mentioned psychological safety within a team. And and I I love that that has become kind of a, a zeitgeist conversation of the moment, how to create psychological safety among your teams. Um, you know, you, you talked about transparency. That's one way to do it. That's one component. You know, you, you, you've kind of talked about around vulnerability, like being open with your team and making sure that they see you as a human being as well as a leader. And, and I love that. So, so what are some what are some tips and tricks for our listeners at home if they want to create a strong culture built on psychological safety? Yeah, it's a very interesting topic. Um, you know, I think that it comes with vulnerability from the top, right? I yeah. often use a phrase that's we reserve the right to get smarter, right? We we work with each other, we learn more about each other every day, we learn more about our clients every day. Um you know, I think choosing what to say no to things like that, but, you know, I think humility is a huge part of creating that psychological safety, right? Yeah. You know, I think that if that's woven throughout, you know, all of the interactions that allows people to open up, um, you know, it's interesting. We've been talking a little bit about the five dysfunctions of a team lately and trust is that foundation, right? Yeah. So I think taking time, to get to know everyone on the team and letting them see that you're actually a human being. Um, I think that's a big part of it. Like we've really enjoyed those, those donut meetings is like little 15 minute touch bases. Yeah. Um, I think watching interactions in, in Slack and, and trying to learn to be a little bit less reactive. Like I'm still guilty of this on occasion and um, you know, stepping back and, and really trying to interpret what people are saying and um you know, it's, it's a tricky one, right? It comes with consistency, like you said, right? This isn't kind of built in on day one. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like if you believe in your values and if you attach those actions to the things that you say, like, I do feel like that consistency, like if you bake it in at all levels of your organization, that that's that's the way to really effectively build whatever kind of culture you're looking for you know so so around innovator like we we have this culture of championship and i mean i as a leader i go into our virtual community on a pretty regular basis and i just share wins not mine not you know not not even necessarily someone that i know but you know somebody that i know is one of our members and like say hey look look at what they accomplished isn't that amazing? it's kind of like the high fives thing that you were talking about so so yeah i i love that 
Um, you know, I, I do want to ask you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to indulge me just a little bit because I think I promised you when we were doing our pre-show prep that I was gonna let you lead the conversation. But I do want to introduce the topic because I think it's really important. Um, but one of the things that I have heard about Eiffel Media is that you have a pretty diverse team. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. What does what does that look like for you? And and uh, how did that come to be? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's interesting. It hasn't necessarily been a deliberate thing. But we when we have asked the team to, to volunteer, to volunteer, like, ethnicity, things like that, we're about 40% um, folks that would consider themselves minorities. Yeah, it's really just come from finding the best talent um, that we can possibly find. And I think the fact that we are remote has enabled that a lot. Um, sure. we have people in 16 states, 23 cities right now. Um, and so it's kind of come about naturally. It hasn't been, you know, something that we're trying to turn around um, from a, from like a specific starting point. Yeah. But it is something that we're proud of. And, you know, um, we do have some of that, the ethnic diversity, but I think a lot of it too is just diversity of thought and a lot of different backgrounds on the team. And both in yeah. terms of like maybe where they've, where they've lived, whether they came from big companies, small companies, agencies, and all of those things really help contribute to, to running marketing the best way that we can. Yeah. You know, I, I want to delve a little bit deeper into this because one of the things that I love, it, there, there's a, there's a secret hidden best practice in what we have talked about thus far. And I'm sure that you already know it, but I'm going to point it out to our, our listeners at home. Um, you know, you, you're not, promoting diversity on your team just to check a box. You're not saying, hey, we need to hire more people of color or we need to hire more people of LGBTQIA persuasion or what have you. What you're doing is you're building a culture <laughs> that is welcoming to, yeah. to people and then setting them up for success once they arrive to your team so that, you know, that that's the retention piece. And but really you're you're creating a, an environment where your team can be valued no matter who you are or what background you come from. And so so I love that you're approaching it that way, because I, I know a lot of, you know, board of directors and leadership teams at companies that are like, ah, you know, we look around and our whole team is white. Like, we got to fix that. We got to go out and hire some some black people. And it's like that, that is absolutely not how you build an inclusive team, not just a diverse team, but an inclusive team where you're setting people up for success. You have to make sure that your, your environment and your culture is ready to accept those new perspectives and create that psychological safety so that people feel comfortable discussing the issues, the, the intersectional issues that they might encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. So, so I love that. And I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that our values do promote what you hit, right? With, with the inclusion and creating a safe space and people who are kind to each other. I mean, I think it's, you know, going back a minute in terms of some of the questions you were asking me of like, how do you really live this? I think one of the big things is being pre prepared to say no to clients, right? Whether it's when they come in or you find that there's just a real mismatch there in terms of, you know, we're really, really fortunate that we've grown through referral and this joke around that like kind people tend to refer you to other kind people, but you know, sometimes there's a mismatch there. And I think that 
showing the team that you have their back in that type of situation that you're willing to walk away from business potentially that's big for them in terms of creating that safety and letting them feel like they can kind of raise issues to you if, if they feel like there's concerns um you know i think that's a little bit different approach but you know, I, I like how you approached it, which is, hey, it's about those core values that make anyone feel like they're able to be themselves um, without yeah. fear. I, well, I can't adore what you're saying anymore. Uh, and so I, I, I'm going to hop hop over to another topic really quick. And I, I want to talk to you, you know, about your journey as a founder a little bit more. You know, you yourself, uh, are I, I'm assuming that you identify as a minority, being the child of immigrants, you know, non-white immigrants. Um, what what challenges have you yourself experienced, and how did that inform the way that you you approach your work now? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think most of the challenges that I've found have actually been less to do with my background and more to do with my values and strength yeah. finders that we were talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> command is command is not a, a super popular one. And, you know, you, you can be a little bit, uh, you can't like sit back, right? And, and I think yeah. in a lot of big corporations where there's turnarounds and turnarounds often bring out the worst in people. And, you know, it can be a tough environment to be in when you're, when you have some of these traits, right? And yeah. I think a lot of the challenges were just, feeling like I, I struggled to fit in uh, in some of those environments. Again, not because of my background or, or gender or anything like that, but more just who I am as a person, right? Yeah. And so ultimately for me, it was, okay, I'm just going to create a company that, that has my values. And I used to joke around a little bit that my teams uh, in these bigger companies, like I was creating my own little subculture and it was the island of the misfit toys, right? And we were misfits, not because we were weird, but we were weird because we had, you know, just different values and wanted to conduct business in different ways. And so I think for me, a lot of the challenges were, you know, being in environments that people didn't have each other's backs and didn't want to lift each other's up, lift each other up because they were worried about their jobs, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I often say when I'm interviewing candidates and, and I talk to every single person that's going to be part of our team is, you know, a lot of other companies, the people around you are kind of rooting for you to fail because they want to take your job. And here everyone's rooting for you to succeed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the, the growth challenges came from those different types of environments. Um, certainly growing a business, there's a lot to learn, right? Like I came from in-house. I've never worked for an agency I'd never started a business. And so, especially when you grow as quickly as we did, there's a lot that you're learning in a very condensed period of time. And so you just have to surround yourself with awesome people that, that will have your back and help kind of round out your skills. Yeah. Well, well, that's really cool. I, like I find you're, you, you kind of honed in on command a little bit. And I find that interesting because, you know, as a woman, like, so, so I've, you know, I've talked on the show a lot about the fact that, you know, I came up through male dominated industries. I worked in IT, aerospace and automotive for years. And, and, you know, I had a lot of really great experiences, uh, but I had some, some experiences that were pretty, pretty rough and very gendered. And so that, that command piece, I, I, I honed in on that a little bit just because as a woman, I think, um, you know, we're kind of socially conditioned to be 
meek and to be kind and to be, you know, that sweet, um, you know, what is it? Snips and snails and puppy dogs tails, but women, girls are sugar and spice and everything nice. Um, you know, and so, so it's interesting because I know so many professional women who have to walk that line between authority and being a bitch, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better way to say it, you know, so I just, I find it really interesting. And I, I love that you have found success in your command <laughs> and in, in the way that you present yourself to the world. Um, that's, that's really impressive and it, 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 and it's rare. And so, you know, kudos to you for figuring out a way to make that navigable and, and, uh, make that work for your team. Uh, I kind of love that. So I do, I, this is my kind of my big question, uh, for you, but I, I'd really love, you know, we've talked around, you know, some tips and tricks and things that the folks who, who play at home can implement in their business. Uh, what if you had one key takeaway that you would like the audience to know about Eiffel Media and the way that you present to the world? Uh, what would what would that be like if someone was looking to build the kind of inclusive culture values driven team that you have clearly built? What would that advice be? Yeah, I mean, be prepared to make tough decisions, right? That yeah. you truly believe in things and you know, truly figure out what your purpose is and what values are going to support that purpose and be prepared that that doesn't mean it's it's going to be easy, right? And you're going to have yeah. to make some tough choices, sometimes in terms of people, sometimes in terms of clients that you take on, um, but it'll pay off in the long run. Um, but it's it's not the easiest path to doing business. Yeah. When I when I worked in in the automotive world, um, I, I worked at a family of dealerships, and I was the one of the internet sales managers, and I was the the only female manager at the table. Uh, and and what was really really interesting is we would have these conversations about the sales team, and every now and again we would come across a salesperson who was kind of a cancer on the on the organization. You know, they had a bad attitude. Um, you know, they they weren't particularly nice to deal with. And what would happen is, you know, we would have these conversations. We were aware of the situation, but because these individuals tended to be, they were performers, you know, they were, they were very cutthroat. They would do anything to make the sale. And so month after month, they would put up really high numbers, but I don't know that the leadership within uh, these organizations that I worked for, like, I don't know that the leadership understood that, you know, by propping up this individual, you are then hurting, you know, the 20 or so sales leaders who are underneath them as far as performance. And so if, you, if we could figure out a way to make people feel safe and valued and, you know, all of that, we don't need that, that one guy at the top who's just a total asshole, <laughs> you know? And so it, it's just one of those things where it's like, when you talk about making hard decisions about, particularly about people, like nobody likes to fire people. But at the same time, you also have to understand that if you are truly trying to build a positive culture and one that that rewards not just the the high high performers but the people who contribute collectively to that culture like those are the kinds of hard decisions that you have to make right is that yeah. has that been your experience <laughs> yeah for sure and i mean a lot of uh we didn't talk about this earlier but like 
I'd encourage founders to read the book, The Go-Giver. That's one of my favorite I books. I love that book. I actually, all right, yeah. fun, fun fact about me, but Bob Berg and I, we have met a couple of times. He's one of the co-authors oh, cool. of The Go-Giver. But when the book was first released, and this was like, what, like almost 20 years ago or something like that, uh, they did a glow, or uh, they did a na- nationwide tour of of the book and had a whole bunch of like influence social media influencers and things like that hop on a bus and do this go-giver tour and i got to coordinate the st louis leg so so i love the go-giver it's a great book (laughs) i've read a couple of times and then there's another one called um what you do is who you are and uh if if you want to humor me for a second i was pulling up a quote that i shared out with my team is um from that book which is Culture is not like a mission statement. You can't just set it up and have it last forever. There's a saying in the military that if you see something below standard and do nothing, then you've set a new standard. This is also true of culture. If you see something off culture and ignore it, you've created a new culture. And I think that's exactly what you're hitting on with, you know, the toxic high performers is like you're allowing that and you're setting a stage for your team that that behavior is okay. Right. And that delivering the result is more important than the how. And I mean, that's how stuff goes downhill really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I love that. Like, so the way that, that we say it around innovator is, you know, establish your culture early, establish it often, or someone else will establish it for you. And you're probably not going to like it. Right. (laughs) Like if you, if you really want to have a strong culture and if you want to create an environment where your team feels valued and ready for success, then that's what you got to do. You have to make those, those tough calls and those sacrifices in pursuit of the greater common good. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And find ways to unify your team. I mean, we mentioned that we're remote, but there's a handful of us going to volunteer next, like I think two weeks from now. And it's some of our team, some of the client's team, a couple of friends and just finding ways to, to kind of live those values. Um, you know, it is tough with remote teams and we have found that flying people in every once in a while, just so that they can get to know each other. It's definitely an important part of the process too. Yeah. Um, well, I, I love that so much. And so, so I'm going to ask, what is the future of Eiffel Media? Like you're, you, you grow remarkably fast. Um, you're one of the fastest growing privately held companies in America. We've talked a lot about what you're building now, but what are you building too? Yeah, so a lot of where my time's going now is education and just whether it's information we share out publicly, whether it's a lot of leadership for our team, they will keep scaling. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit internally about why grow. And we've decided that the reason to grow is to continue to create opportunity for our people. We don't want our people to have to go elsewhere. Um, yeah. I think we're, we want to continue to grow, but at the right pace and with the right types of clients. But I think the next year here, yes, there's some focus on efficiency, um, but really to give people the time to think, but a lot of investment in kind of sharing out what we know. Um, I'm doing a lot of writing, which is is different than where I've spent my last five, six years. Yeah. Do you like writing? I do. I was a communication major, so it's it's coming back. Oh, my guy, you like writing. <laughs> coming back now. It's All right. All right. Well, very cool. Well, I, I very much look forward to to seeing your thought leadership pieces and kind of seeing where Eiffel Media uh, goes from here. For our listeners, where can they find you? 
Yeah, so the best bet is to hit our website. It's um, eyefulmedia.com, which is E-Y-E-F-U-L-M-E-D-I-A.com, or just track us down on LinkedIn as well. Very cool. And now we come to the human question. And I think when we were doing pre-show prep again, I, I told you that it's, it ha- the question has nothing to do with anything that we've talked about, and I lied to you. So I'd like to uh, apologize for that. But I'm going to ask, uh, you've mentioned books at several points, things that you've been reading. You know, you talked about the fact that you know, you've been writing. Uh, so I really just want to ask you, what are you reading right now? Oh, I just started Atomic Habits, um, like, <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> That's a great book! Yeah. So I, I, on my bookshelf. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I just wrapped up, uh, the surrender experiment and right before that, the five, um, the five dysfunctions of a team, but yeah, I'm in, into atomic habits now. Very, very cool. And and high, high recommend for the go-giver atomic habits, you know, any, any of the books that Antonella has mentioned, uh, would definitely give a, a heavy vouch for those as well. Clearly, you're good at curating curating books. Uh, friends, well, first of all, Antonella, thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your time and your treasure with us. Um, it's, it's been really great to talk to you. I, I love what you're building with Eiffel Media. I invite our, our listeners to check them out. But thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much as well. And it's fun. I feel like we could banter about books for a while. I know. I so we actually have a an innovator event next next week, and we're we're doing it at a uh, a new bookstore that one of our members is launching, and like it's been like this whole perilous journey. But I'm just like, you mean to tell me that you're sending me in to a bookstore owned by people I love, and I will have my wallet with me, and you're gonna oh, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> so we could definitely talk about books. Uh, the other thing that we want to talk about, you know, friends, I our today's episode sponsor is FullScale. Do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let FullScale help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions, and then the platform will match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. And friends, I do want to remind you that, you know, the Startup Hustle podcast, it's built for you. And we really, really want to hear your take. We want to hear your your stories. We want to know what you think about and what you struggle with as a founder. So definitely reach out to us. You can find us at startuphustle.xyz. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, We've got a couple of chat groups around. Find us and let us know what you're thinking. It is something that we we endeavor every day to answer your questions and give you the support that you need. So definitely check us out. Keep on listening. We appreciate that you come back to us week after week, friends, and we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.